0: Welcome back to the Anthony Gordon Show, a, a special treat, I think, for our listeners. It's a topic that I have been sort of asked to address on popular demand, and the I don't believe there could be a podcast if one wants to be intellectually honest about what's going on in the world, um, trends in business, changes in sort of sociological dynamics without touching the cannabis space, and I feel fortunate to have a very good friend who I work closely with, who at the risk of sounding biased, I think is certainly commands respect as a, a thought leader on a national level in the cannabis space, Evan Enneman, who is uh, the founder of Elo, and who has had many years in the industry. Uh, firstly, welcome, Evan.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here
0: thank you for coming so there's a lot of sort of when we prepare for the show there's a lot of folks that sort of were emailing and texting with questions um it's obviously it's a a very interesting and vexed subject that people um sort of wanted you to touch on a few things but i think it's also important for our listeners to know a little bit of evan and in context so just so that we can put a a little bit of of a background in, in into this and so our listeners are comfortable where you're coming from just a little overview of your journey, um, you know, personal professional and sort of when the, the catalyst when you started really getting involved in cannabis and how you landed up spearheading, you know, probably the most successful um, professional service firm in the cannabis states in,
1: uh, in the United States. How far back are we going?
0: (laughs) Well, how about three months old? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, Well, given that I have an almost eight-month-old daughter now, I'm kind of reliving all (laughs) those moments, although I don't remember that early on. She's beautiful. Um, Thank you. I, um, you know, when I started having conversations in the space publicly, I I really approached it from what is core to who I am. And, um, you know, my, my life has been... Essentially, through lived through the lens of hospitality. And, and what I mean by that, it's to always be in the service of others and always to make sure that others are taken care of. And that was really my upbringing. Um, yep. uh, you know, preparing food for holiday meals and bringing everyone in, or, uh, you know, watching my father take care of his patients and focusing on patient care and, yep. and how um, much time he gives to all of them, even to this day. And, and so that's always been the lens that I've lived my life is how can I do something for someone else? And, and that is what has always given me um, real value. Uh, so that my, my journey in the cannabis industry, you know, I guess I could say started in my adulthood because uh, yeah. I, I didn't really have a... Um, an interesting upbringing. I, I never really consumed alcohol. I never really consumed anything because I was, for whatever reason, not interested in it and, mm-hmm. and um, didn't really partake until I went to college and yep. and started to have, I guess, more real life experiences, if you will. Good. And uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm from New York originally, uh, went to school in Philadelphia, um, went back to New York to work for about 11 years professionally before I moved out to Los Angeles and so just to put some meat on the buns,
0: Wharton grad, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you had a PW, your price warehouse. Yes. Um, so you've, you,
1: um, you know, I've lived many lives. So you I, clearly, I, yeah. <laughs> I came out of school and, and I started working full time and consulting right away. Yep. Um, financial services with, with, uh, PWC. Yep. Um, was there for a while and, and decided to uh, explore some more passions and went to uh, French Culinary Institute for oh, a little wow. while to, to do uh, some, you know, restaurant management, pastry, a few other courses there. Um, again, my, gr- my childhood was growing up cooking food, watching cooking shows and things like that. So I was very much into it and wanted to explore sure. that passion, got involved in the restaurant business. Um, early on and decided to continue that throughout. But while I was there, I ventured into the entertainment side, uh, started working with film and TV composers and worked in artist management and music publishing and music production. Wow. And, um, you know, those activities actually are what brought me out to California. We had a, a film project that had won out at Sundance and it was up for a few Oscars. Mm-hmm. And, and my business partner and I decided, um, you know, what other better time would there be to have a project that has some good buzz around it to try and make uh, a way for ourselves out in in California and Los Angeles specifically. So that, that brought me out here. And, um, you know, the cultures between New York and LA are very different in a lot of ways, but very specifically around cannabis, around the conversation, around the plant, around the beneficial uses of it. Um, but what's interesting is of a, a very close friend of mine who, who would always joke, um, you know, I'm, I'm typically a very quiet reserved person. Yep. Um, but if something pushes me far enough, I generally would react and not yep. always the best way. Um, <laughs> and so he, whenever that would happen, he, he would always kind of joke about, it. he'd say, well, you know, Evan didn't take his medicine Right. and you know, that infuriated me even more. It, it was more, just, yeah, that, just, that just opened put over well. the edge. That was it. Um, and I really didn't understand, and I don't think he understood what he was saying either other than it, you know, helped me calm down It helped me you right. know, pace things differently. But when I came out to California, I truly understood what that meant because of the culture here was so focused on healing and wellness. And, you know, there, there's questions around, you know, medical versus adult use. And is it really medical or not? I mean, we can, you know, it's a very nuanced conversation. You sure. can argue it all you want. Um, But it is very much true. You know, I think people need to understand that um, we are all impacted by things differently. Sure. And the plant itself has therapeutic benefits. Yep. How far you want to go, it's pharmaceutical, medical, however you want to go. Mm -hmm. It has benefits. And, And for me, that shift from New York to California helped really open up my mind to what the plant really is all about, understanding the history of it. And then ultimately, as things started to progress, where was the opportunity for me to be involved?
0: So um, before before we do that, so for just yeah. sake, say,
1: if wellness and a more holistic
0: and a, a um, you know increasing the quality of people's life seems to be more synonymous with the West Coast, the East Coast is what
1: the East Coast was more. It's a recreational thing. It's a it's an escape. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it. it that's the west coast vibe it's just more open and people gotcha. talk about it and families consume together there wasn't yep. a taboo or a stigma around it whereas in the east coast you could even talk about it um if you were caught smoking a joint in high school you were punished you lost the car you did whatever very different conversation got it um but then there are east coasters that are very much in the same vibe and they understand the benefit of it and they look at it more holistically and yep. that happens too yep it's just not open so in, in new york you have many different activities you just don't talk talk about any of them mm-hmm. on the west coast you talk about everything that's very interesting and um you know if you have a psychologist or psychiatrist and you live in new york generally speaking, when i was growing up you didn't tell anyone right if you had that on the west coast Everyone knew about it because everyone else had one. The difference is everyone has one, but on, on my experience in New York, you didn't talk about it. Out here in California, you do.
0: And yeah, and being this is there's not a negative stigma. On the contrary, you you're working on on your you know on your
1: health on yourself your head, yeah on yourself yeah you're trying you're looking for self-improvement there are ways to do it you know if we were all so perfect we wouldn't have to and we'd be able to do that ourselves and have yeah. self-reflection but that's a really difficult thing to do and it's helpful to get perspective from others and that's really all that is is right. you're just getting perspective from 100%. others and whether it's a true medical need or um you know just something that you need to bounce ideas off of someone it just it's always helpful sure and um there is less stigma on the West Coast around those types of conversations than it was agree. for me growing up.
0: So the fact that there was less of a stigma, people are more open. That so that that, that it sounds like that was more of a catalyst for you um, to get a little more deeper into the the cannabis space and explore it more seriously.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was more. I think it was a function of opportunity and timing more yep. so than anything else. It wasn't something I came out here to pursue. Um, it was certainly part of my life, but became much more part of my life out yeah. here in a more meaningful way. I sure. understood it better. I, I used it to my benefit better, mm-hmm. and, and I still do. Okay. Um, on the East Coast, it was more of a relief. It was a yeah. release of tension, stress, anxiety with yeah. all the things that come with living in New York City. Sure. Um, and everything else, and, and although it has that here, it, it's to me, I consume very differently for different reasons. Got it. so that's a good I think a good point to segue to one of the one of the
0: themes, one of the areas that a lot of folks sort of asked me to run by you. and i 'm being oversimplistic, but it seems to be that there's a notion that part of the plant is clearly medicinal, is accretive to people 's mental, emotional, spiritual health. And in the same breath, the same folks that were saying they see that um, this seems to be, you know, clearly anecdotal, but there's a growth of empirical research that's showing that that is uh, accretive to people. In the same breath, they are they they concerned that you know their kids are in college and and elsewhere who, where it's you know becoming more open, and they're concerned, frankly, in the points that they shared with me to bounce a few is. The notion of the long-term effects, and and is is it, you know, is it going to be a precursor to being a demotivator for their kids? Um, and B, I think the they don't know, but there there's, there seems to be correct or not the notion that could it be a, a gateway drug to, uh, you know, to things that are could clearly be deleterious to a person's well-being.
1: Yeah, that that's a very nuanced conversation. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of work backwards. It, it is um, a gateway plant to health and wellness okay. and, and personal well-being. Yep. It Yep. is not a gateway to anything else that may be um, harder, more damaging or anything else. Um, I think that's been proven time and time again, anecdotally and yep. through evidence that it is not that. What causes that typically is in markets where cannabis is illegal, you're consuming it by acquiring it and gaining access through illicit drug right. dealers who also have other products. Um, so that's generally your access point. Uh, you know, why people consume, That's there's a myriad of reasons sure. why. Sure. Um, the underlying cause of someone's pain, anxiety, or desire to use something or have an addiction has nothing to do with the substance itself. Um, you know, I know there've been studies that show that it has some addictive, uh, traits because there are some withdrawal symptoms. Yep. Um, that's the same for a lot of things for sure for caffeine, same for sugar, same for most things that we consume every single day Yeah. that we're told are safe to consume. Um, so, so I think that's a little bit of a misnomer and I don't think it's accurate. And again, it's very personal, uh, more so than a, a generalization Okay. on the, the basis of it being a demotivator, um, I don't think the, the consumption of cannabis at all in and of itself is a demotivator. In fact, I use it to motivate me many times in many ways yeah, for different well. reasons, whether it's for creative purposes, for focus, for stress relief, to be able to do something else that I'm looking to do. Sure. Um, I think what, what happens is people have other underlying causes uh, of, Being more lethargic or not wanting to take action or not doing certain things that people then say are demotivators, but we're not looking at the root cause. We're not trying to address the root cause. So I think the benefit is if we approach and accept cannabis as something that allows us to communicate more effectively, more openly, we can start to have those conversations to understand what exactly is causing someone pain, suffering, whatever issues they have that they're not willing to communicate. And then ultimately, um, you know, keep within and, and that affects their livelihood, whether it's in personal relationships, professional relationships, so on and so forth. But that's not in and of itself because yeah, of very the interesting plant. observation. So
0: I had a guest, I think, uh, yesterday, and we're talking about the difference between the symptom and the proverbial disease. Mm-hmm. It's symptomatic of a deeper, it seems to be people are more stressed. There seems to be an inverse correlation between the proliferation of technology and people anxiety and stress that sort of always feel tuned on they reactive instead of proactive so i had i I think you you know i went to this this course at harvard business school uh and i'm sitting next to to kevin love who's a high profile you know all-star who i think did an incredibly courageous thing and i told him as much in speaking out about his own personal journey and his his struggle with anxiety and depression mm-hmm. and used his platform and public profile to educate people on, on, on mental health And da, da. do you think because um, and again this could be over o- over simplistic but it seems that because cannabis has an impact on a, on people um, where they are certain inhibitions that um, mm-hmm. You know they feel that certain inhibitions, the curtain sort of drops, so that they can be more express their vulnerability more, express their emotions more. That paradoxically, it could be, um, it could be a way to treat, you know, part of the problem. And that is, people are. There's many people we live in a in, in a in a society. Certainly, the city, of Los Angeles, you know, there's pretension, this facade, everything's okay, and this image, and maybe it's sort of causes people to be more real and have more raw emotions, which I think is a lot healthier.
1: It absolutely helps you tap into that. Um, you know, how comfortable people are to then open up and actually communicate is, is again a function of who they are as a person and the people they're around and, and whether or not they feel comfortable, but it certainly, it it gives the ability for us to start to address those symptoms, if you will. Um, It won't change the cause of stress but it might help alleviate stress and i think the one thing that's important to figure out is you know at those point in times you're realizing that you're becoming too stressed you have anxiety around something and whether you're going to consume to try and address it or not to step back and say what is actually causing that and your point about technology is exactly you know a great point we don't ever disconnect and you know i had my my brother out uh, visiting he works with me on, on our creative agency and you know, we were just talking about our inability to put our devices down, to, to step out yeah. and focus on things that matter, whether it be you know, sitting at a son's wrestling match or yeah. spending time with my daughter because she's learning how to crawl or whatever it is. And being in that moment. And being in the moment and all of a sudden your phone pings or dings or buzzes or something. Yeah. Or you're picking yeah. it up because someone walked by it. And you're completely distracted from yeah. the moment you should be focusing on and you know it's a great device to connect people but it also disconnects people exactly. in the most profound way and i think that's where we're seeing a lot of the challenges we have with what are now becoming mental health issues exactly. that that people wouldn't have had otherwise I, I, yeah
0: so let, let's uh, we're talking we're touching on um you know, emotions, relation, relationships. One of the questions were, uh, that came up in our sort of brainstorm um, before you came in today is, here's, here's a dynamic that seems to be coming uh, more commonplace. A couple, and, you know, gender neutral, where one is a user and for whatever, for whatever reason, another, the, the other couple, their significant other, is not. In your experience and just your thoughts on on you know, how to navigate, uh, you know, a relationship and, and how that might deleteriously be positive, you know, it could be negative or positive. Just your thoughts.
1: Yeah. It's a great question. I mean, it's similar to, um, you know, do you have to consume to be active in the industry? And the answer is no, you don't have to. There's a lot of different ways and people, yeah. you know, that, that are involved in a relationship. I, I think it, it works in the same way. It's, it's about, are you communicating effectively mm-hmm. and, um, You know, you may have different experiences. You're not going to share the same experience necessarily. Yeah. But if you're able to have the conversation to say that one person does or doesn't want to consume, yeah, there shouldn't really be an issue with that. Now, I mean, in my relationship, my wife doesn't really consume at all. Um, You Mm -hmm. know, points in time she's tried. It's just it's not her thing. Not a thing. And we've had conversations where we set boundaries. You know, when can i consume or what makes sense and how do we do this and you know because it is something that you want to be able to communicate with and um you know what i tried to explain to her in the conversation we had is you know i look at it as a tool for me to relax and decompress it after a long day and and This is an anecdotal story that most people have told. You come home from a day of work. You want to have a glass of wine. You want to have a glass of scotch or whiskey, whatever your, just take the edge off your, your your poison is that you prefer. That's alcoholic. Yep. Um, but that's a very typical process. And when I come home, I'd rather not have a glass of alcohol. I mean, I I enjoy drinking certain spirits and beer and everything else. But for me, if I come home and I, you know, have a, a a joint or if I have an edible, that's, low dose that allows me just to decompress and, and be in the moment at that point, it's helpful. And so I look at it as a tool for me to do that in um, one that helps to facilitate uh, that process. And, you know, people may have shared experiences by consuming together, yeah. um, but you don't have to to have the same experience. And, and I tell uh, my wife Meredith all the time and she has the personality and the ability to be in that moment all the time my personality is not like that so if cannabis can help me get there i got it we yeah. actually even up the playing field when i'm able to consume because i can slow certain things down because i'm always moving too fast at least in my head that's interesting so would you would you think there's a situation ever
0: where meredith your wife would say to you, evan that action or comment is out of character and um if you you know if you if you were not using you know at that time it's unlikely that you would have said or have done something or is there a notion that while, you know, it takes the edge off and you feel more relaxed, you're always in control. You always, you know, it's not just like,
1: well, there, there are, there are certainly many ways that people can get out of control and, and I am very focused on what and how I consume and I, yeah. I do prefer, uh, low-dose products because mm-hmm. I'd like to stay in control, um, you know, to some extent. So I'm, sure. I'm not a, a heavy consumer. I don't want to go on a whole trip or yeah, an experience. Way. And, and you know, some people prefer that. And and if you want to have that experience, then great. That That's wonderful. I don't generally do that. So if, yep. if there's ever a comment that something's out of character, it's more because it's nicer. Yeah. <laughs> it's more considerate. It's that's more right. empathetic. It's more positive generally speaking that's, that's um so true. not out of character necessarily yeah. but um you know more of a natural state and and that's really you know when you know a little bit more about cannabis and consumption i'm, I'm not a physician i'm not a scientist i'm not any of those things but it does promote homeostasis so sure. i think it allows you to be more of who you are mm-hmm. and so yeah. if those things are coming out of them more positive that's generally who you are Versus when you're stressed out about everything and that changes who you are, and so that's the way I see that that manifesting.
0: And you and you touch on the difference between edibles and, and and smoking. How the difference in experience, which is another question which keeps coming up, um, how different is the experience? And it seems to non-users who who are not as familiar as you are that it's somehow it's less invasive, it's
1: more naturally edible, and therefore. Dot, dot, dot. I'm not sure if there's... There are so many different ways to consume now. There's there's been a tremendous amount of innovation. It's really, um, you know, your concern for health and and any combustible being inhaled is obviously not the healthiest thing you can do. But also walking down the street on Sunset or Hollywood with cars driving by is not so healthy. Um, or inhaling the smoke from the you know hundreds of wildfires throughout right. california or whatever it is um, so it's just it's a different experience for some it's a different preference it's a control factor as well uh, edibles are um, you know when well regulated are typically dosed properly and you can understand what the experience is going to be it's generally a longer experience okay. um, you know a deeper experience depending yeah. on how much you're consuming whereas if you're um, and again, with edibles, there's differences. There's beverages, there, there's actual food products, there's sublingual strips. There's te- there's just um, many different ways. But when you're you're smoking flour and in, in whatever form through mm-hmm. a water pipe or you know a, a, a joint or anything, yep. or uh, you know using even um, extracts and, and yeah. something like that, it's a, a quicker onset and a shorter duration. Got it. And and even then there's differences depending on what type of flower and profile that it has the the effect that it will have and and the length of that effect it would have so that's more of a Look. personal preference more gotcha. so than anything else
0: So let's switch gears uh, for, for for a second and talk a little bit about sort of the the other role that you play and that is from a business perspective you are you have know, a lot of folks that are already reporting into you it's a um you know you've created a um a reput- a firm that has a reputation that precedes that, that pre- precedes it in the in the cannabis space can you give our listeners a sense of what your of a panoramic view of what you think is going on in the from a business perspective the trends and if you don't mind if you could touch on making it differentiate between the between CBD hemp and THC as well
1: yeah, there, there's a lot in that question. Um, <laughs> you know, broadly speaking, the, uh, the, the cannabis industry is going through a really interesting cycle right now. So we've had legal um, medicinal use or compassionate care in California since 1996. So it's been quite some time. Right. Um, I think Oregon might have passed a law prior to that, but um, it, it hasn't been legal for adult use. Um, prior to 2014, so uh, Colorado and Washington uh, legalized in 2012, implemented in 2014. So we have about five years now of this cycle. And, okay. and what we've seen is, um, you know, about a, a 25 to 35 percent annual um, cumulative annual growth rate over that period of time. Sometimes higher, sometimes lower, wow. depending on where you are. So on the macro trend, um, really interesting marketplace, tremendous opportunity. A lot of that's because there was uh, such a high demand and, and sure. uh, consumption already. So right, rather it. than creating a market, we're just formalizing and legalizing and standardizing a market, uh, which is already there. And, right, and obviously it. there's going to be new consumers and new opportunities, et cetera. But right now it's, it's, it's going through that. And, and what happened is there was a lot of money that came into the space very quickly, Yep. Um, primarily in Canada and then into the U S and people got way out ahead of themselves. Um, they scaled very quickly, which yep. required a lot of capital expenditures yep. because you're state by state, and so you have to build out infrastructure. Um, generally speaking, that's not how uh, companies would operate. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, it's um, it's a, a tremendous growth market, and it will be for some time. And that is both on the, the cannabis THC side as well as on the hemp and hemp-derived CBD or other cannabinoid side, which... Um, has a different legal framework, both domestically and internationally. So cannabis still remains a Schedule I controlled substance. Um, Hemp, uh, given the passage of the Farm Bill in the U.S. last year, is now not. uh, It is an agricultural crop that can be grown. It is legal. We're still waiting for final rules from the USDA, although they did give uh, some guidance on what you can do, and in, in, in from an agricultural standpoint, to grow, process, transport, etc. Yeah, but the FDA, who will govern the you know food and beverage and other consumables, has yet to decide on their final rules. So there's still ambiguity and some gray air within the hemp side. Cannabis is very clear. Um, states have legalized; the federal government has not. So there is. Just a li- little bit of a distance between the two. Yep. Um, which creates a lot of the opportunity as yeah, well. Yeah, the impasse and, between and the feds and the state. Absolutely. And, and so people can look to get involved in a professional sense now and know that if they're hopefully looking long-term, this is an industry that they can grow with. It's an industry that they can help to create uh, trust and transparency, which is what I've been building now for the last five years yeah, and getting into yeah. the space is. I am very supportive of the cultivation, production, and consumption of both cannabis and hemp, and, and not just in a food and beverage or medical sense, but also in a uh, industrial sense, whether it's for ethanol or hemp or food or whatever that may end up being, um, there's a tremendous amount of use cases for both cannabis and, and hemp. Um, not much of a distinction between the two other than DXC right. content, so that's uh, that confuses people, but, but um, it's really an exciting time. We've seen some of the public market valuations come back a little bit. Yeah. So a lot of people look at that and say, oh, what's happening? Was it a bubble? Is it, you know, what happened? It's just people had valuations that were a little bit beyond where they should have been. So it's dropping to the norm or It's or dropping to market. a more normalized, okay. efficient market where valuation should be where you see them as compared to other industries. Yep. Um, which actually is most likely lower than where it should be because it is a growth sector. Right. And right. the challenge is, you still need to be able to execute. And a lot of people have not been able to do that. The management teams, the operations have not lived up to what they sold investors. And that's why we're seeing a pullback primarily. And CBD is, so you spoke about hemp,
0: THC. It seems that CBD seems to have more of a mainstream acceptance. When, you know, literally it's an OTC product, invest in cosmetics, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You know, we work a lot with professional. Athletes where there's a tremendous convergence between you know the strains and the sprains and having the medicinal um, effects of that part of the plant.
1: Yes, yeah, I mean, uh, so CBD, cannabidiol, is one of many cannabinoids that are found in, in cannabis and hemp. Um, it's it's having a heyday right now. It's definitely a, a marketing trend more than is than anything yeah. else, uh, unfortunately, because I, I do think it has a tremendous practical, uh, applicable use. Um, but most people are taking advantage of the fact that it is uh, more of a benign substance of the plant. Uh, obviously, from a anti-inflammatory, from a pain management standpoint, it's it's known to have many benefits. Right. We've we've all seen the the videos of sure. uh, you know early childhood epileptics who Incredible. get a drop or two of a, a CBD oil and their seizures stop within seconds. So. We're we're finally starting to see research. We see a lot of that out of Israel. We yep. see some of it now in the U.S. because we see universities and hospital systems starting to do research, which is desperately needed. Yeah, um, for sure. And even beyond the the pharmaceutical and the health side, even on the adult use side, it's it's important that people know what these products can sure. and can't do and how they will affect them. and And doing um, you know clinical trials or other studies around it is really important. So we're starting to see that, yeah. but CBD is uh, so most people say it's not psychoactive. It is, it does have an effect on your body. So ultimately it is psychoactive. Yeah. Um, but in a very different way, it doesn't give you a, a euphoric, uh, experience. Doesn't kind of take you out of your body. If you will, it brings you back into, it and helps to settle a lot of things and, and they work in tandem, uh, CBD and THC and other cannabinoids, but it's a much more accepted product in food and beverage, mm-hmm. uh, in topicals and cosmetics, um, because it does have uh, very beneficial qualities to it.
0: So let's try and tie this together on a more personal level with your journey. Can you help our listeners understand your personal journey as you, you partnered with Snoop Dogg? Um, certainly one of the... Past per- tense, yeah. <laughs> pa- uh, but it was, you know, uh, certainly one of the better known investment vehicles and now you have founded and you're spearheading um, Ello, what's in a perfect world what do you want to build what's the image um, where where do, you, where do you want to take whatever platform you're part of in a perfect world in the next three five seven years as I know you well enough to know that this is not just financial clearly it's about making a difference mm-hmm. it's about touching hearts and souls and, and and moving the dial sociologically so if you if the genie comes out of the bottle and if if you knew it was going to, uh, you know, you were going to succeed, what do you want to build, and what's the legacy that you want to be part of as, as clearly one of the, um, the thought leaders in in the cannabis industry?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Um, you know, for me, like like I mentioned before, it's about hospitality. It's about bringing people along on that journey and effectively leveraging the positive impact that the cannabis plant will have on everyone's lives and our most fundamental human needs and that that brings it back to um, you know supporting family and communities supporting uh, economic stability, supporting um, mental well-being and health and wellness broadly and it, it's a matter of giving people support giving people opportunity giving people the ability to communicate and being empathetic to those processes and and bringing people along on that journey so it is, a matter of having a direct impact on other people's lives. Sure. And, you know, there have been thousands and thousands of lives that have been negatively affected by the failed war on drugs yep. and the approach that we as a society have taken, uh, not individually, but, but some individuals. Sure. Um, and it's, it's torn apart families, it's torn apart communities and we still have not addressed that. We still have, States that don't have social equity programs or at yep. least functioning social mm-hmm. equity programs. Um, and we still have communities that are still impacted to this day, even though uh, it's in a legal market. And yeah. and um, it's unfortunate that it continues to happen. It's something that has to be addressed. And I, I do see us leveraging the power of the plant to have those conversations, mm-hmm. to educate people, to actually create that change that we need to have. Um, can you explain that a little bit more because I think that, that resonates with a lot of people how cannabis, the cannabis
0: industry and how the plant could be the equalizer, so to speak, or become, you know, a facilitator where, you know, people of different backgrounds can, can, can sort of be, come together.
1: Yeah, so it, it kind of manifests in a lot of ways. So when you just thinking about the base nature of consuming cannabis, it yep. is very much a social yep. experience you pass what you're consuming to someone else. That's interesting, You yeah. are sharing that experience with someone else. You're opening up a dialogue, whether it's verbal or nonverbal, you're opening that up. And so you can start to create pathways to conversations that hopefully can get people on an equal playing field and saying, all right, what what do we have in common? Yeah. And, and now more than ever in this country and probably around the world, that, that would be a great conversation to have. And it's gonna happen because of the ability to communicate, the ability to educate one another on how we each view the world, and, and that could clearly be different in a lot of ways, but there are a lot of things that are the same. I mean, if you take no, I, hear, I hear that. I, break down any stereotype, most, hopefully most, if not all, care about our family and friends. We yep. care about our community. We care about these things. So whether we live on one side of a track or another side, and maybe we hate each other because we're on different sides of the tracks, but we both care about all the same things. And so there's these base fundamental needs that we all are equal on, yet we can't have those conversations. And I think cannabis can allow us to start to have those conversations.
0: I'm smiling because I'm 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 just in my mind's eye. I'm thinking, I hail from South Africa. South Africa just became the rugby champions. It was something. Congratulations! <laughs> it was all my doing, obviously. It was. Really. <laughs> it was such a beautiful thing to see people.
1: Well, they black, had the first black... Uh, and an
0: amazing guy. Yeah. And an amazing guy who literally didn't have the ability to put a morsel of bread on his table. Yeah.
1: he became And, that, and being the captain of that team is probably one of the highest honors you can have in South Africa.
0: In South Africa, that, that's Tom Brady, the quarterback of the... Yeah. And seeing people, all, you know, black, white, different colors and creeds, you know, sport brought everything together and transcended how people focus on the common denominator. I think that that's a little bit of what I'm hearing you saying.
1: Absolutely, a lot of similarities, yeah.
0: That, that's terrific. Let's wrap r- wrap up with, with the following, which is I uh, try and share and, and ask all of our, our guests. If you could meet anyone, Evan, in your life, spend five minutes with them,
1: who would that person be and why? It's a hard question. Um... <laughs> So if I'm taking someone that, that is not part of my direct life, but that I would love to have the opportunity to um, experience his energy, his compassion, his mm-hmm. fight, his will. Um, it's, it's funny because you mentioned it before we, we sat down and, and it, it, would be, um, it would be Bob Marley because he inspired wow. and still inspires so many people around the world. To fight against inequality, yep, and to fight for the common good of the people, and I think that's really important. And everything that he embodied, every message that he had, um, is one that still needs to be carried by the industry today and, and the people who care about the plant. So, you know, he he would be, and it's funny because I used to um, I used to study in high school. I didn't do that quite often. I would only study while listening to music, and it was always Bob Marley because it always got me into whatever frame of mind I needed to. Um, so I, I spent a lot of time, um, sort of in my formative years Mm -hmm. listening to him and it would be great to understand, I mean, just his view on the Mm -hmm. world uh, and everything that he he believed in. Um, I would say on a personal level because I never really had the chance I was too young, uh, would be both of my grandfathers. They, they passed very early in my life and, you know, I have flashes of memories, um, but I never had the chance to ever know them really and truly other than through stories. So. So let me, let me end by saying the following. And
0: I, I think, you know, I, I, I try, I try and be a guy who speaks from the heart to enter people's hearts. So my hunch is Evan that your uh, beloved grandfathers are looking down on you with a lot of pride. In our several years of developing a personal and a professional relationship, I've l I I i I've seen in you two beautiful traits. Um I think that I've firstly I see in you uh, the desire to see the good in in people, which is a beautiful thing. And and I think that there's a there's a very gentle, you know, you have a very gentle way um I think of interacting with people and in a very competitive industry in an industry where there's a lot of you know backstabbing and i think you've navigated some a lot of divisive opinions and um you know pushback where there's been stigmas attached so i i have uh, no no doubt that your grandfathers are looking down on you with with uh, with pride and with nachos mm-hmm. and uh, i want to say that evan Edelman, the ceo of ella it's been a tremendous pleasure spending time with you and Whatever you aspire to and your, your aims in the next three, five, seven years, I hope for you and my prayer for you is that you'll exceed your wildest expectations. And as you look back in your life, that you'll be a terrific legacy that uh, to your daughter and you know, what your, your growing family and, and wish you continued success.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you for the uh, conversation today.
0: Thank you very much. Until thank next time, Anthony Gordon, thank you very much.